in a bed. <laughs>
<laughs> cricket. <laughs> Literally cricket at all. Whenever you guys hear the It Ends With Us episode, I think I've said it before, I almost exclusively read fantasy and now getting into smut. I need to be off this world. So the idea of reading a normal fiction book, granted horror, thriller, whatever you want to call it, when we're in the normal world was it was already going to be a bit of a push for me but I was like you know what we're going to try it um but I really 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 struggled um I did not like the main character generally I struggle with male authors and male main characters because I want to be the main character I put myself in their shoes so men I already disassociate with um and then you normally have one chapter to sell me on it and it did not work but it's okay um basically <laughs> the big things I did like about the book <laughs> was that it was felt very like there's a violin playing you're on the edge of your seat you're like oh god oh god so there, he was really good at that and I mean I was reading this as an ebook which was my first time reading an ebook because I normally I'm a paper paper gal so in the book's defense that could have had something to do with it as well yeah fair, fair enough I like that you tried to be positive throughout that. Good job. <laughs> Good job. I I wouldn't say this was my favourite Stephen King novel. I do normally like a good thriller or like suspenseful novel. I think I enjoy reading those. Um, but it wasn't really until the end that I really started getting into it. Um, you know, he has a very particular writing style and for me that sometimes can be hard to grasp or really like you know, soak it in, um, especially if the story takes a bit to get into the real th- thriller parts. Um, but oddly enough, I did love reading about Annie and more than when it was just about Paul. I was here for Annie. Mm-hmm. That was the character. I was like, yes, let me know more. Paul was kind of like, yeah, he's just, he's just there. He's just, Definitely he's just same, a part actually. of it. Yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed about hearing the previous things Annie had done and how she viewed the world and her little quirks and sayings and stuff like that. But yeah, I didn't I didn't really connect with Paul. She's a bit fucking yeah. weird. She was she was a bit fucking weird, and I enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia connects. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this was my first Stephen King novel, so it took me a little while to get into because, as you said, Claire, like his writing style is pretty unique. And just the way it was sort of jumped back and forth to his conscious thoughts and dream state and the book he was writing and then the current time, it jumped all over the place. So it took me a little bit to follow along. But I definitely can see myself reaching for more of this type of genre. I haven't really explored much of like the horror thriller type yet, but this really intrigued me. Um, Only stuff I've read is Jane Harper's like the dry and that type of thing which isn't that's more like a psychological type thing so I really liked that aspect of it but in saying that the book didn't really captivate me all that much um the first half was a bit of a struggle to get through because I realized that like oh okay um we're already in the room and we're likely going to stay in this room for the foreseeable future (laughs) and I don't know it just made me feel really claustrophobic that we were in this like one space for the majority of the book which I guess is what the whole point was um yeah it just was it made me feel uncomfortable um but the ending 
definitely. That kept me on my tender hooks, read the whole bit in one sitting and then stared blankly at a wolf 10 minutes trying to process it all because fuck. <laughs> true, true. So overall, <laughs> this book gave me the fucking heebie-jeebies. It's not my first Stephen King book. I love Stephen King. It like both in movies and in novels. So I really, it kept me on my toes. It literally just made me feel exactly how I remember feeling when I was reading his books when I was in high school. So in saying that, I love Stephen King, as I said, but I much prefer my fairy porn. Like, and I just don't think I was in the right headspace when reading this book to be able to enjoy it as much as I would have if I just picked it up on my own accord I think because I was in the mindset of oh I've got to read this book because like you know we're doing it for the podcast it was a recommendation it just it made it not as enjoyable for me as I think it would have been if I decided to do it on my own accord because I was in fantasy mode I was like Akita you know, like, and then I was in, it ends with us. And then, you know, there's romance and fantasy for me kind of go hand in hand. They're both of my favorite genres. And then to go to thriller, it just kind of threw me off balance, I think. So I really struggled to get into this book as much as I wanted to. But again, I love Stephen King's writing style. I, you know, I think that he does a really good job portraying giving you the fucking creeps, Mm. (laughs) which is what I like um, in a thriller anyway. In saying that, I agree with Brownie. I don't really resonate with male authors as much anymore, especially once I got into fantasy. I was like, wow, what have I been reading all my high school life? Because I was into, you know, crime and thrillers and stuff, not so much the fantasy and romance side. So, yeah, I think it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, but I still enjoyed the book as a whole. I think, you know, it was still uh, gave me the creeps. It did what it was supposed to do. So, you know, take that as you will. I also, I forgot to say, and I should probably say, like, even though I love violence, I cannot watch a scary movie to save my life. Oh, really? Really? Like, I don't do horror. I can, the only time I can do horror is if the story is good enough. I don't fuck with spiritual shit. Um, But, like, I remember, oh, fuck, Emily Blunt, John Krasinski, what's that one? Quiet place. That one. I, I remember watching that and I, I liked the story of that. So I was like, I can do this. I can do this. And I was literally like, I, I am a happy slapper, but I'm also a scared slapper. So I was sitting next mm. to Sam and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, him. I literally, you're talking to the ghost hunter here, Georgia, the one who yes. goes, you're talking to the person who literally every birthday forces all of her best friends to go on ghost ghost hunts with her. So if, if you if take you me take with me, you. Yeah. We, we can go, we'll do a podcast about it, but I will be walking around with sage burning at all <laughs> times. That like, so obviously caveat, everything I'm saying by the fact that even though I love a good stabby stabby, I don't like a boo scary stabby stabby. <laughs> So this really, it was just, it was throwing you off. <laughs> it wasn't, I, I was not having a good time. I was very distressed. I'm also one of those people that, one of the reasons I can't watch horror movies is because when someone gets stabbed in the arm, I feel like my arm has been stabbed. So oh, no. Paul, Paul's losing limbs and I'm like, oh no. 
my thumb. <laughs> my thumb. <laughs> I, think, I think we should probably also mention as well before we get into it is the more trigger warnings because there is a lot oh, yeah. of that. Obviously, it's a thriller novel. It, it's it's you know detailed violence, yeah. including violence of children, and also mentions of rape which is another thing that we'll get into, which is like the fall. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's just quickly, just, just a quick warning while we're in here. It's a thriller novel, so, like, be prepared for shit like that to be spoken about. So Yeah, if it's not your vibe, it ain't your vibe. Yeah, exactly. We all understand it. Yeah, we'll do our best to keep it light. But, you know, people get their foot chopped off. There's not much you can say. No, exactly right. Exactly (laughs) right. (laughs) As Claire said before, uh, the book is about Paul, who is an author. Um, He ends up being in an accident. At the beginning, we don't actually know what the fuck has happened. We just know that something has happened. Uh, He doesn't really understand what the fuck's going on. And we Um, don't either. No. no, and then there's, no these, there's these sounds that, like, we start off the book with, which at the beginning, I know what they say now, but at the beginning I was like, the fuck is this? It's it's Umba Juan, Yuren, Wamba, Juan, and then it's Fan. Juan. Ah. Yeah. And, like, Georgia, I was like, the fuck? Is- at the beginning, I was like, is it an ambulance? Yeah, I was like, are these these sounds? But for everyone else who's who either isn't an idiot and figured it out straight away, or is like Georgia, number one fan, num- like I'm your number one, number one fan. Oh, That's what it's supposed to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also really, really, really liked the quote that he said to begin with, which was, "He had no idea who he was or where he was, and cared to know neither. He wished he was dead, but through the pain soaked." haze that filled his mind like a summer storm cloud he did not know he wished it I just really liked that I really liked that kind of imagery that like came into my mind I was like wow this guy he wants to be fucking dead which when you was me happened to him <laughs> I would also probably want to be dead so so like again you have one chapter mm. to get me when you are a male main character you have one and um, as soon as this man started comparing CPR and mouth to mouth with rape, I was like, oh, no. The quote is, the outrush of the breath she had forced into him the way a man might force a part of himself into an unwilling woman. Followed up with, she raped him full of her air again. Hmm. <laughs> just dead silence because like the fuck Stephen. I was like oh no not another one yeah just like I get that it's meant to be like a violent act he's not wanting and yeah like followed up with George's quote like he doesn't he he doesn't know who he is but he wishes he kind of was dead kind of vibe so it's like a yeah. he doesn't want to be revived. Mm. But having airplane in your mouth is very different from a man penetrating you. And the fact that yeah. that's where this motherfucker decided to start. I was like, oh, I don't Going like there, you. there, are we? Okay, cool. I don't like you. Cool. Anyways. Just quickly, mm. I want to know what everyone pictured when it came to Annie because I got full-blown Trunchbull vibes from Matilda. 
I'm trying yes. to think of there's um, a on a weirdly optimistic note, the person I imagine Annie as is have you guys seen Rise of the Guardians, the cartoon movie? Yeah. It's a really good film, but there's this child in it, and I imagine Annie as the grown-up version of this child, Hodden. It's like for those that are listening that know this film, um, it's like the kind of the bigger girl that everyone thinks she's like a meanie poo. Her name is Cupcake. Oh my god! Yes. I just imagine yes. this per this child grown up is exactly how I imagined Annie the entire time. <laughs> Oh my fucking okay, god! Yeah. That, that tracks. I'm- I I literally I didn't have like someone in my head. Like I couldn't compare her to anything because I literally like every time he described her, I, it made me feel kind of sick because I was like, as a woman, I would hate to be described as that. But again, Annie is also like a piece of shit. But also like, yeah, I, as, like yeah, I was also just like ah, like I was just kind of avoiding thinking about what she looked like because it was making me feel really uncomfortable the way in which she was she was being portrayed, even though she is an asshole. Um, but like. That is exactly, now I will never not, like, I'll never, I'll never not be able to, <laughs> like, that is her. That is, that is literally Annie. I'm so glad my fucking fever dream paid out. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering where you're going with that, but no, you've done well. But yeah, Trunchbull, definite, definite Trunchbull vibes. Also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Us trying to figure out what the fuck Annie looks like is actually a good segue because the next part of the book is Paul trying to figure out what the fuck Annie looks like. <laughs> so it's fine. It's completely fine that we're all on this fever dream trip together. It's great. Exactly. Paul's high. It's great. Um, the Another thing just before we jump into that is like another bit of the quotes that, you know, just really sold me on it was um the first real memory stopping and being raped back into life by the woman's stinking breath and then the yeah. way in which he describes her breath as well like it gave me like real like snotty kids like vibe oh no <laughs> like vanilla cookies and chocolate ice cream and chicken gravy and peanut butter fudge what the fuck <laughs> like it reminds yeah. me of like like just like a really stinky like kid kid covered in shit it's just my (laughs) shout out Stephen King you know how to describe a disgusting smell because I could taste that it was it smelled so bad I could taste it yeah 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 he does a good job of that yeah for sure while we're meeting Annie and trying to figure out what the fuck Annie looks like we also meet Paul so he was Paul Sheldon who wrote novels of two kinds Good ones and bestsellers. He had been married and divorced twice. He smoked too much. What an absolutely winning description to make me completely love this main character. Literally. (laughs) And, you know, you just know he is the type of pedestrian man that goes, the good ones are my indie fiction and the bestsellers are the romance novels that only women buy. You just know that's this fucker right there. Anyways. Um, and then, <laughs> I mean, I would buy the romance, hundred percent. Oh dear, honestly, me too. <laughs> but um, he's he's also the kind of guy that would think that romance is a shit genre when it's a very good instructional genre that men should take notice of. Literally, like yes. ever since I started reading books, Aiden's like, 
so like what do they say in the book <laughs> and I'm like babe yeah you need to take fucking notes babe get your like, notepad out here's some colored <laughs> highlighters get your glasses yeah. on get your tabs out let's go <laughs> have you guys seen the Australian girl on TikTok who's trying to make her husband into a fictional character I fucking love that like she it kills me and she's doing the whole like um you know when I'm angry don't just give me space you need to your eyes need to darken <laughs> yes. you need to look at me and smirk <laughs> let's do a test um Stace Bookspace is her name. Um yeah. I, I'm Stace, a fan of her content. We fucking love you. We love your content. Doing the Lord's work. <laughs> and then if you do find out a way to make your husband the fictional character of our dreams, please send us an instructional guide. Please, literally, literally do it. <laughs> Just while I'm on my little hate train over here, not Stace. She's gorgeous. Love her. Um, <laughs> but we have our first description, really, of Annie, her physical self, other than her raping breath and, you know, her fudgy breath. It's great. Um, so she's described as she was a big woman who, other than the large but unwelcoming swell of her bosom under the grey cardigan sweater she always wore, seemed to have no feminine curves at all. Her body was big but not generous. The fuck, man. There's another way to describe the fact that she's built like a brick stack house. Let there, yeah. right there, run, right fucking there. <laughs> why does it? Why? Why? Do and he's so bodies have to be generous. Too? He's so descriptive. So it, like, mm. I just, I wish, like, he used better words than what he did. Like, good God, I did not need to know that her tits are fuck, like, are not fuckable. Like, yeah. I can be scared of this psychopath. And be like, cool, I don't need to motorboat her. Yes, the two are not one in the same. But I do, I will say that description did immediately just make me picture it big, boulder because she's in yeah. grey, she's big, she's round, there's no like shape to her. Mm. So I'm like, that's the imagery that came to mind. So maybe that was his intention. Again, probably didn't need the unwelcoming swell of her bosom, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I also really didn't like the fact that when he describes, like, Annie, like, giving Paul the medicine, uh, literally just sticks all of her fingers in his mouth. Like, just, like, this is where, you know, George's miniseries, the things that she shouldn't be attracted to, but she is, this is where that fucking shrivels up and dies. Because, like, I'm so glad that's where you went with that. <laughs> because, like, usually George has all four fingers in the mouth, all for it. But, like, this one, I died. I was like, oh, no. Oh, my God, I was so distressed. <laughs> Sorry, George is not that fucked up. She's fucked up, but she's not that fucked up. It's all right. <laughs> but, no. Yeah, look, that was just something that I personally was like, hmm, well, not personally. I feel like you all agree with me. <laughs> yeah. Just the, mm-hmm. No, no. And then I also really liked something that was kind of opposite. I really liked this was um, the internal dialogue throughout, like pretty much this whole book, like the way in which certain things are described, like just this one quote, I was like, oh, fuck. Um, yes, she's warming up like some small electrical ga- gadget a toaster, or maybe a heating pad. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, what? And then the, I'm in trouble here, this woman is not right. Like, yes. I really yes, enjoyed 
I enjoyed like how you kind of saw his internal dialogue the whole time and how slowly throughout the book he fucking loses his marbles. I really enjoyed Very much does. Yeah. And And I mean, yeah, very rightly so. Mm -hmm. As much as I dislike him, I'm also like, no one deserves that. No. Yeah, it's not. It's not. No, 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 no. But is at this point that Paul realizes he's addicted to that medication that she's been giving him. It's called Novril. Novril. Um, and like, can't really blame him, can you? Like, he's in. I'm not sure if we've described his injuries, but basically, his legs are shattered. Mm. His legs are from like, um, the tib down, like his knees down, and he thinks his pelvis is broken as well. Yeah, just smashed. So he's got these makeshift splints on his legs and he's just sort of stuck in this bed and the only pain medication he currently has is this I think it's the narcotic that she keeps giving him so he's just already coming to terms with the fact that he's addicted to this drug Mm. which is never a good sign but I did read somewhere that Kim had wrote this book about his cocaine addiction and that Annie was a representation of cocaine and how it can cripple you and make you feel completely dependent on it because he was dependent on her he, yeah. she'd made herself be that for him. Oh, I um, like that. I yeah, like that. Interesting. Because as I said, like at the beginning, he he basically was just like drunk the entire in the entirety of yeah. the 80s, he said. So like, yeah. That- yeah, look, I did read that on Reddit. So not sure how accurate it is. Plus or minus 10% with anything that we say on this podcast. Yeah, so- exactly. Exactly. Hey, if that is accurate. I mean, even if it's not, that's a great take. I love that. That makes yeah, me yeah. like the book more thinking of that. Yeah, context. broader. Yeah. yeah. So as time goes on, we end up figuring out that Annie's got some issues. She's a little bit angry all the time. Um, she like she ends up like they're having this conversation and you can tell that Paul is like obviously, A, he's on these drugs. He's kind of losing it. He's like, what the fuck's going on? The way in which Stephen King juts between present and past time. So the quote that I got was, and then he had picked up a little bruise on your right temple, but that didn't look like anything. It was your legs. I could see that, see right away, even with the light starting to fade, that your legs weren't the telephone and called room service and a bottle of Dom Pergion. Like it just yeah. like it doesn't make any sense, but like it's jutting between Annie telling him about what happened to him and like this past thing that His happened. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's almost like A, he doesn't want to hear what happened to him. It's almost like his trauma, it's like his body shutting out what he's hearing right now. But the way in which he wrote that, I I just really liked, like, I don't know, I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good like cool I just yeah I like yeah it. it was clever I the bit I took like in chapter 13 there's this quote where she's gone off about how she's hating the way that she he wrote misery's death because she's obsessed with that character misery that's her MVP relatable for a psychopath but it's fine mm. um and she comes up with this she's talking about but characters in stories do not just slip away and she's talking about how there's got to be, the death has to mean something there. It has to be justified. It has to make sense. And I mean, for a crazy lady, she isn't wrong. She's clear mm. from last episode. You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. 
there's nothing that gets me more riled up than when I read a book and a character is killed for absolutely fuck all reason mm. and it's just sometimes it's that they're not killed and they sh- they survive and they should be dead but yes yeah true but it was her getting that mad that led to my favorite part of the book which is dirty bird what dirty bird <laughs> That is my new favourite insult. So that is going to become part of my vernacular now. I know of Dirty Bird as KFC. I know. Yeah, that's something like from Australia. If you're from Australia, if you're not, then like that's what we call like KFC or a lot of fried chicken. Yeah, Dirty Bird, the Dirty Bird. And so I'm like, why are we talking about KFC like that? (laughs) Now, if you're a naughty boy, you're a dirty, dirty bird. (laughs) Dirty bird. Fuck. I think later on in these chapters that we're talking about it goes on to Annie leave he's there for like three fucking days no food no water no pain medication just lying there just like back um and at some point he decides to pee into his sheet and then drink whatever he could get from it to sort of just get something and honestly, I can do with all the gory, scary shit of any movie or any, like, book. But this is what got me. And this shit is what where I was just like, fuck, we've gone to a new level. Literally, like, lol. <laughs> we're going to jump without this part. Absolutely but, not. Yeah. But I also love how descriptive Stephen King is, but I'm also concerned as to how he has so much knowledge and all this stuff. And I'm like, mate, what have you been through? Well, he was drunk all through the 80s. He was drunk all through the 80s. Who knows what he's done? <laughs> I don't think he knows what he's done. <laughs> no. And then Miss Annie returns and um, she wakes up Paul, right, by tugging on his fucking earlobe. And... Hello. I swear to fuck, I think it's I think it's how she wakes him up, or like she's trying to get his attention for something, and she's just hello. She's pulling you on his half a minute to hear about that, Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, if someone tried to do that to me, I'd literally like I'd, and I'm pretty sure he goes like, all right, like don't fucking pull it off, like which seriously, like I was getting those vibes. I was like, Jesus Christ, like oh. just imagining someone just like fucking pulling on you. Oh, and you know she's not gentle. You know she's not gentle. No. I mean, this, like, we have a lot of back and forth where, like, obviously he's high on the painkillers, she disappears, she comes back, she's forcing painkillers on, they're arguing and there's all this stuff about the, the book and how she's not happy with the book and, you know, she makes him burn his new manuscript basically and he's going to rewrite the book and bring her character back to life, which cut semi-relatable, very small relatable, um, not the psychopath part. I really want to caveat that. But in Chapter 19, there's this bit where he says, even caught in the squeezing vice of his pain, Paul felt an instant of intense pleasure. This was what Annie Wilkes looked like when she was frightened. It was a look he would come to love. And, I mean, like, look, I know I am hypocritical all up on myself like if Feyre was like I fucking love the look on Tamlin's face when he is scared I would be right on that shit any of my favorite characters if they are like loving their enemies being scared I'm on it I'm there I'm invested it's great 
Um, but this, I was like, mm, I don't know that that's the best approach, my dude. I was like, fuck yeah, get rid of her. <laughs> I just felt like, oh no, dude. Dude, there's a lot more trauma for you. You yeah. need much time. Play your cards right there, sir, because perhaps making her frightened isn't the best way to go when you're um, at her mercy mind. with shattered yeah. legs. I, there's a part of me that thinks that I would be like, like I would be so good if I got kidnapped because like I've watched so much true crime. I've like, I've dealt, I've dealt with. Why was that kinky? (laughs) I would be so good. I'd be so good. (laughs) Kidnap me. (laughs) Um, uh, no, uh, not Stockholm me. I swear. Um, We've done too much enemies (laughs) to love us. Literally. But, um, I, I, I would love to think that I would be super, super good. And I'd be like, yes, I'll get out of here. Woo, I'll survive. I know how to survive. But like, I would 100% piss that person off. Like, I mm. am so annoying. Like, at the best of times, I'm so fucking annoying. Why so, like, I'm that just would be imagining like, no. George's kidnapped. And she's like, oh my God, do you have a crush on me? Yeah. yeah. Literally, I'm like, did you kidnap me because I'm beautiful? <laughs> oh my you. god, stop staring at me! <laughs> you love me, don't you? Do you have a girlfriend? Oh <laughs> god! Uh, like stages of kidnap, <laughs> just see, or I just, just to see how guys like take her back. <laughs> yeah, they like, literally drop me off at the front door, be like, "Here you fucking go, Aiden, take her. No one Welcome. wants her." Take it back. She wants an emotional commitment. I'm not ready for it. She keeps talking about Colleen Hoover. We don't know who that is. <laughs> she keeps saying, are you, are, should, we, should we do like, okay, like I know that you're really dark and moody, but like you can start to open up to me now. It's okay. Mm. Like, What like, happened to you? What happened to you? Like, like I hate you. It's enemies to lovers, all right? I hate you, <laughs> but like you can open up to me, all right? <laughs> Okay, fucking hell. We took this. We took it and we ran. (laughs) Anyway. Sprinted. Okay, look, now we're finding out a little bit more about Paul and his accident and just how he ended up in Annie's little lovely home. So it turns out that Paul should have heeded the advice of the Australian government, drink drive and you're a bloody idiot. Literally. Which, if you're unfamiliar, that is our government's iconic messaging during primetime TV on not being a drunk dickhead. So. And in Australia, we have those ads on the back of buses where there's a drink driver and they've got like a slur drawn on the, across their head in Sharpie where it's like, dickhead. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's Australia for you. Yeah. <laughs> Talking the tongue of our people that's the only way that they can get through to us honestly (laughs) called australian culture honey look it up yes (laughs) but yes so he does not heed that advice and he downs some fancy champagne and decides to go on a little joyride and that's how he ends up crashing his car just for dear sweet annie to find him and rescue him but at this point i am just begging for something to help to happen i feel like half the plot line has already been through and we didn't even get to see it like we're just sort of reliving his memories we've just been in this room this whole time I don't know I just I appreciate the tension that Stephen was creating by having like the reader immersed in this feeling of being stuck but yeah I just I was feeling too stuck reading it and I wanted things to happen so it could get a bit more exciting 
maybe that's one of the reasons why I struggled so much with the beginning of this book is because it feels like you've missed half of the story already. You're meant to already yeah. be attached to this main character and believe in whatever fucking shit he spews. Mm. And I, I was not invested. Nothing he had done so far other than the fact that he was the victim made me go, yes, this is my dude. Mm. I'm rooting for you. Other than the fact that I'm not a fucked up person and no one should have this happen to them. Yeah, yeah. definitely. We didn't get that chance to be invested in him before something happened to him. And yeah. we were kind of like, oh, that sucked. And then we get into basically he started to um, – Annie wants him to start writing. So she buys him this shitty um, typewriter and it's called – well, it, it's mentioned – it's called the Royal. I don't know if that's like the brand that it was or – I think it – is i don't know why but that's ringing a bell yeah um so yeah the royal and the love-hate relationship that he has with this fucking typewriter i was really here for it throughout the entire book i think this was the only relationship that i was here for the typewriter (laughs) and him (laughs) and um basically there's a whole bunch of quotes and he's like basically he's having this fit with this typewriter he's like i can't write he's not in the right mind space obviously um but dude but, you are fucked yeah and so one day Annie comes in he, he's basically making all these excuses as to why he can't start and um he asks her he's like I wonder if you could turn that typewriter around so it faces the wall she frowned why in the world would you want me to do that because I don't want it grinning at me all night he thought <laughs> which like I'm like I'm already here for it I'm like this is this is a relationship that I'm here for. <laughs> so, yeah, basically he comes back to Annie. He's like, I need more paper. That's like, that's another excuse that he's come up with. And she's like, the fuck? And this is another part that we realise that she's got a very bad temper. This is this is the quote. She smashes his knee, right? His knee that's, that's already that's already spoken about as being like a sand, like like sand salt dome yeah that's it salt dome so the quote is gia she screamed (laughs) and brought down down brought her fist down on the bunched salt dome that had been paul sheldon's left knee look i couldn't be laughing this much at such brutal (laughs) physical assault but yeah all my brain went was really bad karate chop (laughs) and then you picture actually hitting the knee and it's all like it's like it's like one of those wobble it's like it's like a waterbed yeah not a fan and then paul comes out with this because afterwards obviously he's he's fucking he's in so much pain i'm pretty sure he almost vomits or does vomit or something like that happens and he goes, there may be fairies, there may be elves, but God helps those who help <laughs> themselves. And I literally, my notes are, LMAO, Paul, you poor soul, you're dying, mate. <laughs> Which, like, <laughs> you're dying, mate. Like, he's just lost it at this point. He's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> my notes are, like, the first, like, seven chapters are another gem of a quote being um he thought about this startled occasional sharp insight never failed to startle him and decided it was true 
Fair and realistic might be synonyms in the best of all possible words, but if so, this was not that world. He's trying to, like, make sense of how she justifies the books and how she thinks mm-hmm. the plot should go. And I'm like, my dude, you should be on high alert around yeah. this woman at all times. Do not let your guard down. This is some oh, peak yeah. privilege shit. You have never been the hunted. You need up up the red alert. Yes. Oh, titties on high alert. You need to be stressed because she is crazy, but she's a literal murderer. You're fucked. You're absolutely fucked. I just pictured, like, nipples saluting when you said that. (laughs) 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 Just, and, like, this man's books are the only thing this crazy bitch is passionate about. That's even worse. You are fucked, Mm -hmm. my dude, and you are not scared enough. Nope. Literally. The next bit is, like, then while we're suffering and he's trying to write this fucking book and figure it out and kind of starting to figure it out, um, someone appears. Rancho Grande. <laughs> Rancho Grande comes to visit. Why does that make me want to call What the fuck? Um, yeah, look. So Mr. Rancho Grande arrives. Um. He tells Annie that there is a 10% tax increase and that her payments are overdue. And she is freaking the fuck out, right? So she goes out, she she meets him outside, obviously, because she doesn't want him coming to the door because of obvious reasons. Um, and she comes back in and she's explaining it to Paul. And in this, she's she's explaining it, and there's this, there's this quote, cock a duty. Kaka, kaka poopy doopy. I was like, okay, okay. And I think this is when I really started to realize that not only was she like violently not okay, she was also like very much like, again, cock a doopy, kaka, kaka poopy doopy. Yeah. Why does this sound like you're writing an assignment and you're trying to make the word count? Mm-hmm. literally that is exactly right <laughs> tell me i'm wrong yeah. weird but in, in this moment i kind of wanted something else to happen here like we've waited so long i know we're only up to chapter eight but fuck it feels like we've been here for a long time but technically and it's chapter eight of part two so we've been here for like over two. 40 chapters so you're okay that makes sense okay I'm, I'm still been here for a very long time um but all we really established from this encounter is that Annie is a bit ditzy with her life admin. Relatable. Um, she doesn't like people and she's skint on cash, which are all things that aren't exactly necessary to the plot because nothing comes of it. The book kind of takes like a manic depressive turn. In chapter 16, this man goes on down, 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 down into a spiral of like a the big the biggest manic depression. But on the way down, he had this whole internal monologue about someone called Bernstein. Um, and he was remembering how he talked to someone called Bernstein and the quote that had me my like alarm blaring red flag going off was Paul remembered telling Bernstein who had lost an aunt and a grandfather in the Holocaust that he didn't understand why the Jews in Germany hadn't gotten out while there was still time and my brain went no surely not surely we are not about why Surely we're not about to compare ourselves to a Holocaust victim. And then he comes out with, 
Now he understood. Oh, dear. And I was like, are you shitting my dick right now? Slightly problematic. So, so problematic. Oh, makes me feel ill. Obviously, this man is a huge victim. He has still been kidnapped. He is being tortured. He is being abused. (coughs) It is fucked. It's emotional. It's psychological. It's physical. He's going through the whole time. But also the Holocaust. Yeah. Holocaust. It's just you just don't go there. No. How did that make it past the editor? Like how? Um, and then also another little hypocr- hypocritical moment I have. I can call myself out. It's fine. Um, he has this quote where he says, maybe I'm going to punch out, but I swear to God, I'm not going to do it until I get the chance to show my number one fan just how much I've enjoyed getting to know her. If that was any other character I'd read, like being like, I'm going to show this motherfucker how much I know them for what they've done to me and I'm going to make them pay, I would be like on the roller coaster, strapped in my titties, I'm ready to go. But with this, it just felt, I don't know, like slimy. Maybe that's what Stephen King was trying to do. Maybe he was trying to make you not like Paul as well. Maybe that's what he was trying to do. Maybe he was trying to make you not like Paul as well as not like um, Annie. So you kind of get that, you know, oh, I really fucking don't like Paul. But at the same time, Annie's way worse, but like really fucking hate Paul. So maybe that's what he was trying to do. I don't know. I haven't looked into that at all. But like that was just a little quick, maybe. Yeah, and again, I'm reminded, like, this man is, he is held hostage by this woman who he is completely at her power. He has, like you said, Ellie, he is shattered legs. He is well fucked. And yet this man is, like, I'm all for planning your revenge, but it feels like he genuinely underestimates her at every turn. Which is should. I'm like, my dude, you need to throw that out the window and be scared literally yeah Mm -hmm. (sighs) because then we get to a very distressing scene (laughs) heads up rspca literally okay annie walks in with a rat in a rat trap that came like she grabbed from like down in her cellar apparently she she can catch like eight to ten or whatever um and she brings it up into paul and she goes on about how he thinks he might be able to escape and um, all this sort of stuff or how, like, once he finishes the story, that's it. Like, he can leave. Um, and she's like, you might if this was one of your stories, but it's not. I can't let you leave here, but I could go with you. So essentially she's going, you think you can leave, but really we can just die together. She's like, I'm happy with that. I think she'd be very yeah. content with that, to be honest. Um, but pretty much Annie takes the rat from the rat trap. It's a little squirmy. Um, doesn't she break its neck? Yeah, something weird like that. that. No, yeah. She does some real gross, breaks its neck. Anyway, it's, it's dead. Um, and she throws it across the room onto the floor and it's basically like, I'm going out for a little while. I think she went into town or she went back to a laughing place, one or the other. Um, she's like, I'm leaving now, not going to give you anything, bye. And I sort of questioned this when I was reading it. Um, but he said, who said she didn't leave me with anything to eat? 
without anything to eat. Oh, oh you're not thinking the rat, right? Oh. Yeah. Oh, this is also God. after he's watched her literally lick. I can't blood even say it. Like literally, days. she was talking about whatever the fuck she was talking about, and she was just licking her fingers, the rat blood off her fingers. And I swear to fucking God, Stephen King again with the fucking imagery here. Wasn't this actually when she was having that full-blown mental breakdown where she was twisting Mm -hmm. her lip, biting her cheek, all that stuff? So she was already covered in, she was already covered in blood. And so then when she threw the rat and all that sort of stuff, she was looking at blood, she was in a complete trance. Like she was going through Mm -hmm. a full-blown episode. Yeah, where she like fades out and he's like, oh, she's gone for a bit. Oh, she's back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's like psychosis just takes over. Yeah, she just taps like, out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so <sighs> yuck. Yeah, but as soon as, like, she threw the rat and left, I was like, oh, no, he's going to eat the rat. Oh, no. I didn't oh, even. I wasn't even. <laughs> I didn't absorb that, and now I am genuinely horrified. <laughs> yeah, look, me neither, and I don't like that one. I don't like that one at all. No. <laughs> That's an absolute no. Hard pass. Anyway, so, yeah, Annie goes. She goes bye-byes. Um, and, oh, we forgot to really mention, she also got him a wheelchair. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's he's the now. He's yeah. in a wheelchair. So he, he's, he's, he's been typing, writing, well, you know, typing away in this wheelchair. Um, and uh, he's decided, I'm going to break out. I'm going to escape. That's what I put out. Um, and so he, he, in this moment, he is basically going through the different ways in which he could escape. So he gets out of the room. He uses a bobby pin. He shimmies the lock open, gets through. He barely gets through the fucking door. Like he just scrapes through and he rolls out into her, her home. And he's going through the different ways in his head on which he can escape because obviously it's snowing outside there's rats in the cellar. He also doesn't really know what the fuck else is down there. He's like, I don't want to go down there in case it's not a door. And there's stairs, wheelchair, shattered legs, pelvis situation. Look, yeah. Annie is not making it an inclusive environment. No, she's not. Really not. No. Um, and the quote that I've got is, it was too easy to imagine how his shattered bones would feel after 10 or 15 minutes of wriggling through the cold puddles and melting snow like a dying tadpole. Yeah. Why does the wriggling unsettle me so much? There's the dying tadpole. Yeah. But I'm like wriggling. Wriggling. And then while he's out and about, he finds this book, this photo album scrapbook thing. And it's I I called it, I call it Annie's memory lane. Yeah, it's not great. While we're going through Annie's memory lane, we find out the bitch is an actual murderer multiple times. She has a history, she has a pattern and a trend. And um, that's a whole fucking lot of murder. Like it's not like one. It is extensive. There's babies. There's a lot. And like when he says, and she was very clever, very very clever almost as clever as satan it's satan it's himself it seemed fuck i'm drunk only now she was starting to lose it 
and oh my god like my spine started tingling I had goosebumps raising I was like everyone titties on high alert be stressed everyone strap in we're on a ride I I really liked the fact that he said one of the quotes that he says is it was apparent that Annie's biggest mistake had not been stopping when people finally realized that something was going on it was bad but unfortunately not quite bad enough Mm -hmm. and then also with like the babies thing, just her quote of that she doesn't believe that babies are unsold. I was like, that's giving me major like uh, crazy. Yeetus fetus. Yes, yeetus fetus vibes. So I don't know if we've noted this, but Annie was a nurse, which is how she had access to all the drugs and was able to kill all these people because she was an angel of death, which I sort of thought was coming with all of this. But I was not expecting the sadistic murders that were thrown in. Um, like she set fire to her apartment complex when she was a teenager and ended up killing one of the apartments that had children in it. And these kids the died. Children. The annoying dirty birds. Um, she pushed her father down the stairs, her roommate down the stairs. And, yeah, also I'm a little bit surprised that she found someone odd enough to marry her. That's a bit weird. Gave me Um, fucking weird vibes. I was like, the fuck? How is going on? I want that backstory. I want that history. Mm. Write this book from Annie's point of view with her fucked up self. I'm there for it. But I feel like that was the classic, like, evil person marrying a good person because I feel like from memory he was into, like, doing stuff with charities and, like, helping people Mm. and stuff. And then there she was just killing eight, eight Vincent infants in a hospital yeah Jesus oh yeah she has a pig yeah so oh, she yeah. has a pig named misery misery yeah that's in it. the list of shit we haven't mentioned one she's a nurse there's a wheelchair there's a pig there's a pig there's a pig, there's a pig. Misery. that's all you really need to know no yeah I really enjoy. I really fucking liked this quote of of Paul's, and because like obviously throughout this whole thing, as Ellie said, she's mentioning the dirty birdie, naughty dirty birdie, you know. Mm. Um, and he goes, "If your animals could talk, Annie, they would tell you who the real dirty birdie is around here." <laughs> Which I loved. I fucking loved. Um, and then um, she's obviously back, right? So she's back. He's he's just made it into the into the uh, bedroom after she's gone back. And, uh, A, he's realised that he's left scuff marks on the door and he's like, oh, fuck, oh, shit. And the bobby pin is still in the door, so he's like, oh, fuck, oh, shit, she's going to know. But that's not even, like, that's, that's not, not even, the bit that gets No, it's not the bit that fucking gets him. Um, she gets back and uh, he finds out that she has actually put her own hairs in the scrapbook so that when he opened it, she would know if he she would know if he had gotten out because if he opened it, the hairs would have snapped. If you get what I'm saying there. You know? Yeah. So yeah, she's that's just fucked in <laughs> fucked in the head. She's fucked in the head. Yeah. Um and then she goes so I know you broke the hairs on my um, super secret photo album. Um, so in retaliation, I'm going to cut your foot off. Same spare. Off with his foot. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, absolutely not. This man is a dead, he's a dead man. He is absolutely yeah. dead. 
Yeah. He's a footless dead man. Um, footloose, if you will. And he's <laughs> <not gay>. <laughs> <laughs> That was brilliant. Thank <laughs> so, you. So and she cauterizes it with She does. And he's like, wait, why are you wait, what the fuck? Ah shit. Ah bye. <laughs> and the whole scene of him and she's got an axe that just cutting her foot off. Yeah. I, I liked the quote. When she straightened up, she was holding an axe, uh, the axe from the shed in one hand and a propane torch in the other. The blade of the axe gleamed. And all I wrote was, ah, run. <laughs> But he cannot. He cannot <laughs> run. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Roll. Roll. And then the, away. the quote, the pain was screaming. He was screaming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We launch into part three of the book, which, again, the parts do not make sense to me, but that's fine. Um, and we've got the aftermath of um, the axe shenanigans. And um, a few more examples of wild male authors can be dumb fucks, in my opinion, if I'm just frank about it. Um, a jolly quote that I absolutely loved was, but actually, he knew this by now, just as sexually acute men knew which dates will put out at the end of the evening and which ones will not. That's a what? joyous quote that we need in our thriller. It's fine, you know. And then we also have some unnecessary racial slurs. Just oh, out yeah. of the blue. Um, Again, why? I, I'm definitely, well, not definitely. Obviously, I'm a little bit drunk. I'm probably about 80% sure we have not heard a racial slur in this whole book. Even when Annie's been going on about her dirty birds and all her other knickknacks, there's never been a racial slur. And then she no. just throws one out there about um, the character Hezekiah in the book. And I'm not even going to repeat it. It's the N-word. Very self-explanatory, really. <laughs> I'm about to defame Stephen King. <laughs> Hold anyway. back, bro. Yeah, Hold it back. It was just unnecessary. There was no... I was like, why? Again, why? There's a lot of whys in this book. Like, why is that necessary? There's a lot of whys mm. and there's a lot of goddess. This, this part is also called the missing thumb. So... You know, just so you're all aware. So glad I didn't drink before you said that. <laughs> um, so th- the goddess was just something that I noted was something that Stephen King did again. There's a quote, and it is, the goddess, nasty as a handjob in a sleazy bar, fine as a fuck from the world's most talented cool girl. And I was like, again, again, why? <laughs> why? Um, and then afterwards, after he's saying, because basically he keeps talking about like these goddess like the goddess 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 and then he goes he wanted in a dull sort of way how close he was from going insane bro you're there like you there bro like yeah, you no need to wonder the yeah. finish line for crazy was here and you were and then the room there's another quote when he's like when annie's treating you best be eaten which is like you can just tell that he's literally losing it because it's like it's he's starting to talk like her he literally is. Yes, yes. Um, and so, again, in this point in time, he's figured out, okay, don't complain about anything. Don't set her off, right? She's she's a ticking fucking time bomb. Basically, since the foot incident, since Footloose, there hasn't been too many issues that's been ar- arising. Um, but he decides to say, like, just a quick, like, little about how the typewriter, the ends are full. There's no N in the typewriter. 
there's you know it's fallen apart and she's like fuck you i'm cutting off your thumb and so she cuts off his thumb cuts off his thumb okay. and with a carving knife with a carving knife yeah i feel like the way we find this out as well is there's a whole bunch of like back and forth past and present tense mm-hmm. and he's like waving at her and then you're like hold on he doesn't have a thumb yeah <laughs> where'd that go um but my favorite part of this is when she brings in the birthday cake after she's sawn off his thumb and the thumb is placed in the middle of the cake like a candle (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it's like absolutely my phalanges like i right sometimes i think in my mind what would it take for you to be a serial killer right i'm like what would it put what would push me to be a serial killer right Sorry if that's real fucking weird, but like I, because I, I'm so interested. None in of you are going to George's house. <laughs> I'm really interested in the criminal mind because I studied psychology yeah. for a while, and I'm really interested in how that works. And I'm interested in, interested in what pushes someone to get to that point. And in like, I was just like, what, what, you know? How do you, yeah? How's that? Yeah. How do you get to that point? And how do you get to the point of like serial killer, and then? Putting the thumb on a birthday cake in the middle of a birthday cake. There's a part when you can tell he's just fucking losing it, and I actually really, really, really loved this paragraph in the book. It's a giant paragraph, and it's got no grammar whatsoever in it. But I really liked the way in which it fit into the book. So it goes. I've just put a little little snippet of it in here, which I really enjoyed, and it said. Annie was great. Annie was good. Let us thank her for our food, including that we don't have to eat. Girls just want to have fun, but somebody, something wicked this way comes. Please don't make me eat my thumb, Annie. The mum, Annie, the goddess. When Annie's around, you better stay honest. She knows when you've been sleeping. She knows when you're awake. She knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for good, for goddess's sake. You better not cry. You better not pout. But most of all, you better not scream. Don't scream. Don't scream. Don't scream. Don't. Which no grammar, it's just oh, that's why I was a bit la, 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 la. um, but it's just one big paragraph, and I just fucking loved it because it really makes you, it puts you in Paul's head of he's just fucking losing it. He is lost at the plot. Oh yes, one hundred and ten percent. And then, like, not only do we have that interesting mental dialogue going on um a very very poor unfortunate solo police officer is investigating paul's disappearance he's also really young he's very young and also america has a lot to ask for and part of it is letting this man be alone america the fuck because um annie takes it upon herself to um Whack him with Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Whack him with Christ. Yes. Did he um, call out? Yeah, he yep. did. Yeah, he calls out Africa. Yeah, which every time he says Africa, my brain plays Africa by Toto. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so the, the whole thing with Africa is that he compares her to some, like, uh, African idol, like, thing, like this yeah. massive doll thing. Rare bird. Yeah, this rare bird thing. Yeah, it's this weird. whole thing that, that he, he saw. in a zoo once. Yeah, yeah. And now here's the rare bird in captivity. Yeah. She's yeah. the idol. She's the goddess. Africa. Yeah. Peace. Yeah. So this solo cop shows up and um, he goes, you know what? Africa. And the cop's like, wow, that's a weird word to hear in the middle of rural America. I'm going to look at this window. And I think he throws the ashtray or he yeah, throws something. Yeah, the window. And the guy's like, oh, my God, it's you. And then Annie shows up and goes, have you heard? Do you have a minute for our Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> and just beats the <laughs> absolute whack him. impales him with a cross. Cross? Yeah. yeah. And then um, she goes, hold on. You'd be great fertilizer for my lawn mm. and jumps on a ride on lawnmower. And also, at what point was this man going to pass out? That's a lot, that's a lot to go through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the quote, like the cop looked like a big doll that had been badly treated by a gang of nasty children. <laughs> okay. Such a PG description for mm. what yeah. just happened. That's where, like, you know, Paul's fucking losing it. So he's, like, comparing things that aren't so bad to things, yeah. you know. Oh. Yeah. I mean, the ju- the juxtaposition is accurate. It's great. It does its job. But also, what the fuck? Yeah. And so Annie, like, ends up, she goes over to the ashtray that's on the ground and she's, like, after she's killed him, obviously, she's run <laughs> over his head. He's, he's, he's gone. He's, he's definitely dead. And she picks up the ashtray and just gives it back to him. She's like, here you go drop this <laughs> and then she cleans up the mess and she comes back in and when she comes in she is singing she'll be driving six white horses when she comes she'll be driving six white horses when she comes she'll be driving six white horses driving six white horses she'll be driving six white horses when she comes <laughs> just since ah uh, when annie when <laughs> Yeah, just didn't even like go through her brain. This was something weird that she was doing. No, she was like, like oh, no, this is just a Tuesday for me. Just so fucking. Rude. She just rode over a cop with a ride on lawnmower. So <laughs> this next part also is something that I thoroughly actually enjoyed Annie. Like, because a lot of the time I was I was very off Annie this whole book, obviously uh, for obvious reasons. And um, but this quote, I swear to you. It made me fucking laugh. Like I was, I was laughing. I was laughing so much. I, I just, I can't. So basically she ends up putting him down in the basement. She's like, you've been naughty, 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 dirty birdie. Get in the basement. So she has to give him a piggyback A down the basement. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so she's got yeah. yeah. So they get down into the basement and he describes the smell as the smell was secretive and nasty, like old sheets thick with dried cum. <sighs> Thank you for that uh, visual. And now I can smell it. Thank you, Stephen King. <laughs> but also, what is a secretive smell? Of thick Secret. Secret. dried cum. Yeah. Mm. I'll just take that back. Ooh. Um, yeah, look, you can keep that. Yeah, not a big fan of that one. <laughs> but um, no. this, this next quote is by far one of my favourite quotes of the entire book because 
he's like, there's rats down here. Don't fucking leave me down here. What the fuck? Uh, put a light on. And she's like, no, you're naughty. And people will question if there's a light on down here. And he's like, the rats, the rats. And she's like, the rats won't bother you anyway. They may even recognize you for one of their own pool. They may adopt you. (laughs) I fucking cackled when I read this. I was like, get him, get him, honey. Jesus. Because, like, she's so, she's so, like, She's just not funny at all throughout this. Like, I just didn't find her. Like, but that, I was like, Annie, your, your go at a insult is like. You'll get adopted so one by the rats that live in my basement. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, it just that is laugh. my literal worst nightmare. Like, you're trapped in a cold basement. There's no light. There's rats. There's spiders. And it smells like cum. Hey, Ellie. Just. Just um, just to add on to that, imagine um, bird wings touching you. <gasps> Don't go there. Paul decides in this moment when he's down in the basement, fuck this, I'm escaping. I'm going to burn the fuck out of her, basically. I'm going to do something. He, I, at this point, I don't even think he really cares if he dies too. He pretty much thinks that he's going to die with her anyway. So he's like, mm. oh, well, oh, well. So he takes... Is it like the gasoline or is it like it's, it's lighter fluid? Yeah. yeah, lighter fluid. Yeah. So he he takes the lighter yeah, fluid sneakily. From this point onwards, Annie's like, all right, I've got a I've got a plan that I'm hatching because they're gonna come for us now, Paul. So you need to finish that book because I want to read it before we die, because we're about to die as soon as they come back. So she has this whole big plan about what she's gonna do if more police officers turn up to look for their dead friend. Um, and sure enough, two detectives rock up who Paul refers to as David and Goliath, and she is so smooth. She takes him into the house, offers him for a glass of Pepsi, and um, they get so close that they're, like, right next to his door, and they still, like, Paul doesn't say a word because he's like, well, she's going to fucking cut something else off of me if I do, so... Better I just go silent. Kill him. And he doesn't know what she's capable of because he's like, I think they can take her. But she's she's smart. She can she can wriggle her way out of this shit. Finally not underestimating her. Finally. Mm -hmm. Finally. Took the whole book. So they ended up leaving, but she knows that's not the end of it. There will be more people that come out. Um, and that's when like a TV crew starts rocking up because she's pretty notorious in their community because she did go on trial for murder of these babies when she was acquitted um but she's got a bit of a reputation as you can imagine so this news crew rocks up to try and get an interview from her and teenagers come out and throw bottles at her property and you know she's she's getting a bit tense for them she goes through and have a little bit of a phase where she starts freaking the fuck out and she's slapping her face and you're like, what the fuck is going to happen? So then Paul starts losing his mind too. Yeah, this is one of my, okay, another part that I actually enjoyed was his description of Annie being a bee, <clears throat> which is now came Annie, Wil- Wil- is it Wilkes? Yeah, Wilkes. Mm-hmm. Now came Annie Wilkes, screaming, rushing down the hall, hands outstretched to give her father the killing push. Only her screams were becoming weird buzzing noises and her body was rippling and hum- and humping and changing under her skirt 
and cardigan sweater because Annie was changing into a bee. Which, like, <laughs> are you right, mate? <laughs> are you right, mate? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Very problematic. Yeah. And he's basically figured out that he's losing his mind, but he's also still got his mind on the end prize, which is he stole that lighter fluid and she didn't notice. <laughs> so he's finally got to the point where he's finishing the book and he requests a cigarette and she obliges him because she's like, he's finished the book. Yay. Oh my gosh. Yay. Um, I'll give him the cigarette, even though she doesn't like cigarettes. We figured that out. She, she was very, very, very much against cigarettes. She's very much against most things unless mm-hmm. she does them, of course, unless they're actually properly illegal, AKA murder, um, yeah. kidnapping. <laughs> um, and he basically decides that uh, he is going to, instead of lighting his cigarette and enjoying his cigarette, he's going to burn the fuck out of her. He's gonna burn the fuck about out of her with the lighter fluid that he stole and he starts this process so she comes in and he's got the match held to the paper he's like i'm burning it i'm burning it all sucked in and he has poured lighter fluid i'm pretty sure it's on the ground as well is that is that yeah that's that's the scene it's on the ground he's lighting the match for the first time in the entire book he actually plans something out yeah, he did. Mm, good job, Paul. <laughs> and yeah, the quote is, you want to make a wish, Annie? He shouted at her. Want to make a wish, you fucking goblin. Out <laughs> <laughs> of all the insults. Uh, just can't even. I fucking can't even. Oh, fuck. Like from chapter about 42 is where he lights the match and there's there's the whole tussle she's trying to he's pulled all the pages of what she thinks is the book that he's written for her so she can find out how misery comes back to life he's built a pyre with it and he's lined that shit on fire she's trying to put it out and he's like opportunity and so um look there's a lot of ways you could go with the revenge fantasy the lighting your torture abuser on fire fantasy and again we decide to go with the rape reference route. Um, and so page 472, I've made a note of it, is she tried to buck him off. He held on. And now he was lying squarely on top of her like a man who means to commit rape. His face almost on hers. His right hand groped, knowing exactly what it was looking for. And then she screams, get off me. And granted, he is groping for the burning pages to shove down her throat but again there's a lot of ways to betray vengeance violence rage any of the very validated and reasonable reactions you would have to what you've gone through and yet none of the ways i think of it are right no and um he's a weird dude and then um the very next page you've got I'm gonna rape you all right Annie I'm gonna rape you because all I can do is the worst I can do so suck my book suck my book suck on it until you fucking choke strong words yeah look again 
It's a lot. I, I can't follow the mental path. Again, I can understand violence, rage, wrath, all of that. But at no place does my mind go. If I want to cause you the worst pain I can imagine, that's where I'm going to go. No. When he's just experienced all this pain of, like, feet getting cut off, thumbs getting cut off, like, why would your automatic, yeah, I don't know. Again, Stephen King, weird dude. <laughs> weird dude. Yeah. It's like he's automatically gone back to the first moment, the first interaction he can remember when she's mouth-raping him mm. by trying to resuscitate him. But it's like, that's not the worst thing she did to you, sir. Yeah. I don't know why you're holding on to that. Really, really not. They get into this tussle. Um, he shoves the burning pages of the book down her throat. He throws the typewriter at her back. She hits her head on the mantle as she falls. She still gets back up and the fight continues. And mind you, he's footless, footloose, thumbless, shattered pelvis still and leg. So, you know, he's, he's got an uphill battle, but they're wrestling, they're fighting. He manages to crawl away and shut the door. Her fingers are under the door. Like yeah. she's trying to like crawl her way out. Uh, but yes he gets away he goes to the medicine cabinet basically straight away to take drugs because his hands are burnt he's in a lot of pain clearly um and our two detectives turn up by the way the whole time he's like gone to get the drugs and he takes so many that he immediately passes out i'm going what the fuck she's gonna wake up and kill you paul what are you doing um but the two detectives turn up to save the day they take one look at paul and think well what the fuck have we just walked into um paul describes himself as looking as a nightmare sprung to life which well yeah can you imagine that scene like mangled leg missing a foot missing a thumb burnt partially yeah sorry oh god no georgia (laughs) i just keep picturing it in my mind like i don't know it's not funny it's not funny. <laughs> but I kind of. I just keep picturing someone with no foot, and it makes me like really. And you know, when I, I get uncomfortable, I just start. I get humor, and it just it's just funny. It's yeah. a very apt description. Thank you, Paul, for that. Oh, but the detectives go. He's like, she's still here. She's crazy. She's fucking. She's probably still alive. She's in the bedroom. So they go to the bedroom, and they come back, and they tell Paul. There's no one there. And then and we then, jump into part four. We're in part four. Pretty much. The start of part four, I, in my brain, I was like a little reflection so far about this book because that's where my mind was going to. I was like, okay. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> so basically Paul refers to Annie at the end a lot as a goddess and I pretty much think the inner story of misery is a reflection of the outer story. So mm-hmm. in both of the novels that Paul is basically fighting with his own muse. Um, so he hates her. He fears her. He wants to kill her. But at the same time, he is like drawn to that power. Like he refers to her as the goddess and like this African idol. And so he is basically fully obsessed with her. Mm-hmm. He reads a scrapbook. He continually recreates in his imagination, scenes of her, like, basically dominating him. Um, And it's just something that I found really interesting. 
that mm. and it was almost like Stockholm-y almost but obviously he killed her and like you know he was you know but yeah. like it was just the way in which I think the story ended up like I just felt that, that was just really interesting that was just which is where I guess that cocaine and analogy fits yeah 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 when you're comparing Annie to his Stephen King's hypothetical cocaine addiction yes um yeah, yeah drawn to her power obsessed with her mm-hmm. can't seem to stay away can't stay away and it's not good <clears throat> also it took a long time in the book like you were getting these um flashbacks i guess memories delusions whatever you want to call them of annie in a courthouse throughout the book yeah and that was that started before we have the memory lane journey mm-hmm. and he actually realized that she has been before a court before mm. and so I thought we were going to have some moment where he remembers that he's maybe um sued her as a stalker yeah that's what I was thinking mm. too I thought that's where it was going that you were going to have this moment where he's actually met her before mm. and there was some prior relationship we were going to discover but that never eventuated into anything. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense why out of all of the places where he was drink driving and crashed, it happened to be near her mm-hmm. and she found him. How did, how did she know to be out there on that time? Like exactly all of these right. other unanswered questions that we don't get. No. Mm-hmm. And we find out that. Um, she died she, in the barn, actually. Yeah, she died in the barn. And the quote is like, in a way, she had been killed by the very typewriter Paul had hated so much because she died. Was it intern? It was something to do with the bleeding from the typewriter. Yeah, when she hit her head after the typewriter, the brain. But she did die before she could do something worse. Mm -hmm. She had died with a hand on the chainsaw. That woman, beast. A bit unfortunate. Yeah, pretty much to summarise, she ends up dying in the barn. So Paul goes back to his normal life. He has these, like, PTSD, like, he's suffering with major fucking PTSD, like, major, which understandably, like, and he pictures her, like, he goes into his apartment and he pictures her coming, like, coming at him pretty much. Oh, yeah, look. Mm. Whole last yeah. bit where he's in like the PTSD, like jumping back and forth, not knowing what's real. Yeah. I, I couldn't even absorb all of that because it was so. It it was. I mean, obviously, I don't have PTSD. I have nothing can to compare to this trauma, but it was very. I can imagine how jarring it would be for someone who doesn't know what's real and what's not, and is so scared at every turn. I couldn't follow that last bit because it was so jarring. Yeah. Yeah. What I seriously that? thought she was back. Yeah. I was when like, he's where is she? I was like, oh, God. But that's the end of the book. So we all know what comes next. Okay. Fuck. And look, I won't lie. When I tell you, it was a stretch finding this Taylor Swift reference. I was wondering how I was I was also I was like is this gonna is is she gonna be able to you know get a get a swifty reference but you did I have I have and it's the most obvious one look what you made me do obviously we're we're in Annie's brain (laughs) with the lyrics here okay yeah 
I don't like your little games, don't like your tilted stage, the role you made me play of the fool, no, I don't like you. And I like that because I remember Annie always talking about the people of the town and how they perceive her and how they make her out to be the bad guy, the dirty bird. And she's not that. They're the ones that are like that. Um, FYI, this is a literal quote. Page 48, she literally says, look what you made me do. I know. So I'm trying to, I'm ebook. You can't see it. I'm trying to show it to the screen, but it doesn't work. It's, li- it's a literal quote. Look what you made look me do. Me there you go. See, I'm on something. Taylor Swift, keeper of all knowledge. Um, I don't trust nobody and nobody trusts me. I'll be the actress starring in your bad dreams. And well, is that not true for Paul right now? Yeah, PTSD, but thank you for coming to Taylor's moment of this episode. Thank you, Taylor. (laughs) Thank you, Taylor. Look, normally I would pipe up now with some fan art, but there's no no real fucking fan art of this shit. (laughs) And there shouldn't be (laughs) No. I don't think I'd want to see that. I don't either. There's a movie about this. FYI, there was a movie. Yeah. Apparently it's meant to be very good. It's Oscar buzz yep. But, you know, I don't want to watch it. It's fine. Yep. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to bring you a brand new segment. And it is going to be a recurring theme called um, Men Are Trash, but also male authors can't describe women. Yay! Wrong! Scream it from the rooftop. Tell me where I'm wrong. Found a BuzzFeed article. Because BuzzFeed, great source. It's fine. (laughs) No one judge me. Um, And it is a collection of some just beautiful quotes from various male authors who I'm not going to say their names because then we don't have to deal with that issue there. So some of these goodies are she was about to cover her startled breasts because your breasts get startled, everyone. How? Then we've got... imagine. Um, her large breasts rippled in appreciation. Oh, ripple! No. Picture a waterbed again. <laughs> then we've also got her butt dipping and spinning, two big round muscles like the rumps of a mountain sheep. <laughs> this is real men, people. Real, real heterosexual men. Definitely. A blue. lot of my thoughts are just. How? That one's concerning. I have I have deep worries for that author. Then we've got, but she was for the bathroom door didn't altogether close due to the old frame of the house settling over the centuries, and she had to sit on the toilet for some minutes waiting for the pee to come. Men, they were able to conjure it up immediately. That was one of their powers. That thunderous splashing as they stood lordly over the bowl. Everything about them was more direct. Their insides weren't the maze that women's were. Okay, A, have you never made a woman laugh so much that she has to pee? Sometimes I have to fucking bolt to the toilet. Like, I might not even make it, all right? So, like, women's pee, they can pee just as fast, all right? It's not a competition, but if it was, power of the fucking pussy... Fuck you. We're going to talk about women's internal organs. How about the fact that they're literally built to carry other humans? 
literally eating We literally look. Then we've got the cold air made my hair stand up from the roots. The way my nipples stood erect, every follicle on my arms and legs becoming a tiny clitoris. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. A tiny clitoris. Every follicle. That's a lot of clitorises. <laughs> so Dang. many clitorises. How sensitive would your entire body be? <laughs> Clitoris? You just have to stand there. Right. Like... <laughs> then we've got, we made love in her bed, on her desk, in the library, after studying for an exam. Her breasts were like pillows of dough and her ass was like a mould of gelatin. Was this guy hungry? Yeah. Was he hungry when he wrote that? <laughs> Oh, that's what you want. Then we have this man. Again, these are all different men. It's not the one man. These are multiple men. And again, this man in particular knows exactly how the human body works because he goes, she's in her 30s, not at all that young, stretch marks, so she has had at least one child. (gasps) He did not go there. Oh. Ah! <laughs> ah! I, hate him. I hate him so much. I swear to God, if me and I ever break up, I am fucking turning lesbian. Fuck this world of men. Fuck them right off. I cannot. I can't. As she moved with the undulating grace of one of the big predatory cats, bare feet thrust into open sandals, so the big pointed breasts joggled tauntily under the thin cotton of her t-shirt. Oh, <laughs> her boobs wobbled because she was putting her shoes on. Where the fuck have they come from? Where do oh. they live? Do they live on this fucking earth? I'm do they know sorry. women? Out. So this is why I have an issue with male main characters or sometimes male authors there are male authors that i do love shout out to jay christoph that man has never done wrong um but there's a lot of times where males describe women in such a way that you know the only way they view women is as a possible sexual exploration and now brownie that you have mentioned this as we delve deeper into our reading journeys, I reckon that's all I'm going to be able to see when I read books by male authors now. Literally. And I get like, I'm sure Stephen was trying to, like Ellie said earlier, try and create that internal argument where you're going, oh, I don't like either one. So mm-hmm. it really comes down to your moral code and where you draw the line and that's part of the whole journey. But I just could not. I have I have my own boundaries and he literally crossed it in chapter one. So I was glad when the book was done, but I did inhale that last since since we lost the foot. I yeah. was like, all right, I need to read this bad boy. Shit yeah, because it was all going. It was going, 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 which is good. That's what we wanted because at the start it was very much like we were Paul sitting in that room doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look. Yeah, I don't know. I think the book was not what I needed at the time. Uh, and again, love st- 
Stephen King, the way in which he writes. Don't necessarily like the way that this book happened, but in, in saying that a lot of his books are like this. He's mm-hmm. just, he kind of confronts things at a different, yeah. a different, you know, different way that I do. Yeah, I, I just, I struggled to connect with it, but I can still appreciate what he was trying to do. And there are definitely bits that I do appreciate. And uh, the cocaine reference and that whole context for me really, it actually changes the way I see the book. Mm. So I really hope it's true then. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Even if it's not, I'm clinging mm. to that because that was one of the few things. <laughs> yes. Oh dear. Well, I'm next week. What are we into next week? What is it next week? Is it it's Ugly Love? Or is it on yes, it's Ugly Love. It's another one. Okay, look, I, I just, I, it ends with us with such an amazing book. And I read It Ends With Us and then I got straight into Ugly Love and I loved Ugly Love as well. There's a few books of Colleen's that I really want us to read. These mm-hmm. two were at the top though. So I was like, before we get into any really crazy, you know, fantasy, um series back to my territory yeah mm-hmm. I wanted to just cover these two because they they started off my reading journey really and I just love Colleen as an author she just does sh- crazy things to me I'm just obsessed with everything that she does so in saying that I read her new book uh, that just came out for those who like Colleen Hoover um reminders of him loved it loved it Again, another one that I really liked. So that could be one that we cover in the future, but I want Ellie to read it first because... Yeah. yeah, look, I'm not going to lie. I was getting live updates from Georgia while reading Ugly Love being like, look, and Brownie, for that matter. It's good, but Ellie, you're going to die. We need to form <laughs> a like, protective circle around Ellie. Next week love. will be a protective circle around Ellie. I'm going to bring you some casseroles. Thank you. Ellie's going to be getting drunk. Gosh. <laughs> But yeah, so yes. it's going to be ugly. Stay tuned. Look, again, we did this episode because it was a recommendation. Yes. Um, and we love that. Yes. Even whatever it is, do not hesitate. We will do it. Send us what you want. We want that. We want your engagement. We love your DMs. Again, right now we have all of our social media up and running. It's we very do. exciting recording episodes now that we have that to plug. Woo! Um, we have our TikTok. We have our Instagram a book and a bev podcast look us up send us things tag us we want to be involved with you we love it please yes but otherwise um yeah we'll catch you guys next week bye